You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 227 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. How are you going? We're limping to the end of the Limping? Year. More like chugging. No, more like speeding, hurtling like a bullet train to the oh. end of the year. That's what it feels like to me. I honestly feel like it was, you know, Christmas about a month ago, the last Christmas, and now we're almost at the end of 2018. I know that we keep saying this, but I just can't believe how fast the year has gone and I can't believe that there's still so much to do before the end of the I year. Know. It's crazy. You know that I, I was told today, I was on the phone to someone and they said, yeah, so uh, it's Christmas Day on Tuesday and I'm like, no, it's Monday. They're like, no, it's Tuesday. And I looked in my diary and I'm like, oh, my God, it's Tuesday. And I felt like that was the best Christmas present ever because I'm like, I have another One more day. day. Yes. I might. I may just make it. Yes. You know the kind of emails that I'm getting right now, though, is because everyone else is doing everything before the end of the year, is trying to get all their to-do lists done. So now I'm getting yeah. emails like saying, here's all that stuff for you to review. And by the way, I'm only available for the next day and then I'm not going to be available till the 10th of February. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm on holidays. It's like, okay, yeah. thanks. <laughs> yeah that's what I'm dealing no, with and I right just now. get the so can we have this one and this one uh and can we get that one by Monday and it's like <laughs> everyone wants everything by Monday and so you're going all right uh 24 hours in the day <laughs> take away let's have a nap for an hour we'll call that sleep <laughs> I may get there and then Val yes. I've got to clean windows why like I'm hosting Christmas oh. and then just for another spanner in the works yeah. like Last night, I may or may not have been under the influence of a substance, uh -huh. but <laughs> I was asleep, right? Yes. And I hear this um, scratching noise in my uh, ensuite, right? Okay. And I'm lying there going, oh, it sounds like a possum trying to get into my bathroom. But my bathroom door's closed. Yeah. So it'll get in and then it'll let itself out. And then I fell asleep. And I dreamt that I actually got up and checked oh my God. and found three possums in there <laughs> and and uh, shooed them out. Okay. And then when I wake up this morning, I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I shooed out those possums. And I'm like, no, that was a dream. <laughs> and then I get up and my bathroom door's open. <laughs> and there's a possum in the house somewhere. Oh, my goodness. They're going to start another party and you're going to have they to They got back in all oh. that effort to get them out and I built them homes. And the possum cam. Oh, no. 
I have to do all of that. So I think they've actually come in and then they've the way they've gotten out again is through uh, – they're in the air conditioning duct, I think. Oh, no. For those of you who don't understand how bad this is, so Gina has had a possum issue in her house and uh, they can kind of get into the wall cavity and I remember sitting in her lounge room once and we were just chatting, you know, and I was on the sofa, my back was uh, against, well, not my back was to the wall, the wall was behind me and I was talking to Gina and she was in front of me and... um, we were just chatting and then all of a sudden I just heard. Sounds like um, Satan it's, or something. I thought it's the most the evil house sound. was possessed. I yeah. thought that Satan was behind me and <laughs> I just thought that, oh, my God, it was a horror movie. But it was and I just freaked out. Gina starts laughing and she goes, oh, yeah, it's the possums. They're having a party in the walls. Yeah. And, yes, so. Gina has had a possum issue for some time, but uh, some episodes ago, regular listeners will know that this problem was solved to the point where the possum people even installed a a, a, a possum cam just to make mm. sure that they could see exactly what was going on. And all of these possums were taking selfies. Oh, cutest thing. We posted <laughs> it in the show notes. So there's somewhere in the show notes. And um, yeah, but it looks like the possums are back. Oh, do you? But yeah, this isn't so, so you want to have possums in your house. This is so you want to be a photographer. No. So we want to give a big shout out to Sunny in Cali. I suspect that means California. So Sunny in Cali has left us a review uh, on iTunes. Long time listener, excellent podcast is the heading. So Sunny and Kelly has said, for the past two plus years, this is the only photography podcast I listen to over and over and keep coming back to for each new episode. And of course, I frequently go back and revisit previous episodes. Gina and Val are consistently engaging and I always get a good laugh during the first few minutes of catching up and banter, I like talking about possums, um, <laughs> between the hosts before Gina launches into the always outstanding discussion of the topic of the day in a way that makes you feel like she's in your living room having a chat. She also frequently interviews experts throughout the industry to provide inspiration and relevant insights into the world of photography that embrace Gina's personal style of passing on years of knowledge and hacks and tips that would take the rest of us a long time to figure out on our own. Of course, I'm frequently inspired to buy another giant jar of Nutella (laughs) after running many miles a day with Gina and Valerie on my playlist as my (laughs) running buddies. I love that. (laughs) <laughs> thank you. Oh, thank you oh, so maybe much. Maybe Sonny and Kelly's on a run now. I yes. Can... <laughs> okay. Keep going up the hill. Keep pushing. You can push, do it. Push you past can do the it. pain. Yes. You can go, do it. You go. can do Stride it. Stride it out. Stride it out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you so much, Sonny and Kelly. We really appreciate you taking the time to leave us that review because um, – it means a lot to us. And, of course, if any other listeners have 30 seconds to leave us a review or rating on iTunes, we'd really be grateful because it helps us in the rankings. Now, what else have you been doing, Gina, this this week before we launch into this week's topic, which is how to photograph small, medium and large events, whether you're a beginner or a pro? What's been happening? So I've, uh, I've also been uh, working on 
uh, all my retouching and Ooh. some gold community tutorials. So I've got CCs coming up. Constructive so critiques. Constructive critiques. And uh, I've also created some Photoshop actions and some speedlight tutorials and some other interesting tutorials on how to add life to uh, the background of shots using lighting. So I've got some uh, good stuff coming up for the Goal community members, Val. Awesome. And all, of course, all of this is available to the awesome members of uh, the Gold community. And if you want to find out a little bit more about that, have a listen to this. Hey guys, are you an enthusiast or pro photographer who wants to take their photography to the next level? I'd love the opportunity to work with you and I want to introduce you to my Gold Community. The Gold Community is an educational resource where members get access to photography courses and regular tutorials. There's over 200 tutorials with more being added each month. In these tutorials, I take you on set with me and I share my thought process behind scouting locations, posing and directing models, lighting and post-production. You get to see the entire shoot from start to finish, from surface in Sri Lanka using a single speed light to character portraits on the streets of Sicily using daylight or high-end studio shoots where I share all my posing and connecting hacks. There's also regular photo critiques, monthly live calls and heaps more. As a member, you'll also have access to my exclusive Facebook group and online forum where you'll be able to connect with other members from all over the world. So what are you waiting for? Join the Gold community today and start taking the kind of photos you've always dreamed of. You can check it out at ginamilitia.com. All right, so let's move on to this week's topic, which is how to photograph small, medium and large events, whether you're a beginner or a pro. Now, this is probably useful this uh, season because there's going to be lots of family gatherings, there's going to be lots of parties and that sort of stuff in the holiday season. So there probably will be quite a number of small and medium events, depending on how large your family is. And if you're doing things like work Christmas parties, then they could be large events. So where do we start on this one, Gina? Well, before we start, I just want to um, share a a Christmas tip that uh, one of the gold members, Emma McPherson, sent in, and I think it's really cute. And the Christmas tip is uh, put your boyfriend at the side of your family photos in case you need to remove him later. Great (laughs) tip. Great tip. (laughs) So true. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. Thanks for that, Emma. So true. All right. Um, Yes, give that a go, everyone, because especially if you see some tension, (laughs) if you sense some tension, yeah. And maybe if you're the photographer placing people, maybe uh, you can also do everyone a favour and put the uh, (laughs) problem members of the family on on the the edges if you think that they're not going to be. You know, because you know when uh, people bring new partners into the group, you kind of go, "Mm, give it three months. Yeah. They they don't always know that though, do they? Mm. No, they don't. But anyway. It's just a good way to go. Yes. Um, All right. So 
photographing events and that can be anything it can be like something small and informal like a child's birthday party or it might be a small family gathering or it might be something more formal like an engagement or a wedding or a charity fundraiser or a PR product launch or a corporate event uh, it sounds often sounds easy to people who haven't done them before. How hard can it be to whip around with a camera and take some snapshots? But it's probably one of the most challenging niches for photographers to do it well. Mm. And funnily enough, it's it's often the first professional shoot that a photographer will be asked to, it to, is, to yes. cover because it'll be like, well, hey, my – son or daughter's having their first birthday, will you come and take some photos or will you photograph our engagement or will you come and do the work Christmas party because they see that you're the photo enthusiast that they know and it's a great opportunity uh, to get your first paying gig. So uh, I think this is the question I get asked the most in the goal community about how to prepare for a shoot like this mm. and what what's the best gear to use, what settings should I use, how do I get the best shot. So I thought we'd do a little deep dive uh, for this episode, Val, and just discuss all the things and I can get a lot of in, um, insight from you as from a client perspective as well and yep. uh, some of the stuff that you've seen and, and noticed uh, in portrait shoots. So um, there's a lot of things that you need to remember for this sort of stuff because you want to be covering uh, not just the guests that are there, but you want to be doing things like covering uh, the actual room and how it looks. Yes. And uh, there might be the food that you want to include and the signage if it's a corporate event. And then you have other things to contend with, like there's always a difficult uncle or a <laughs> relative that you, or just a difficult person or people in the room that you need to um uh, work out how, how to approach and how to keep out of your way and, and, and get good photos of them as well, as well as the lighting on the day. Now, you could be lucky and you are gifted a photo shoot that happens on a beautiful overcast day with beautiful, soft, nice directional lighting and uh, the, the room's lit beautifully and it's just easy for the photographer. And then there's the other occasions where it might be midday you've got a hard sun you've got or you've got an interior where they have taken it upon themselves to only light with those little halogen down lights which <laughs> put little spotlights on people's heads yeah. and cast or there could be 15 different color casts in the room you might have fluorescent lighting coming mm. from one angle you might have tungsten lighting um, some purple glowy light in the background and those beautiful red spotlights that always look fantastic to the naked eye uh, and then the camera does something to them and renders them like mixes all the colors together and you get kaka yeah when you combine all those colors together so you've got to like negotiate all these things so it's not as scary as I've just made it sound if you follow a few simple steps and make sure that you don't get tripped up. And I'm, I'm basing these on all the mistakes that I've made and all the <laughs> lessons that I've learned over, you know, the last 30 odd years of shooting events. So I think the most important thing to do before you launch into shooting uh, an event is it's all about the planning valve. Okay. I think this is the most crucial part because if you get this right, 
uh, it's going to make the rest of your shoot a whole lot easier. So I think the first thing you need to remember is uh, to not be afraid to take control as the photographer and make uh, things work for you rather than just uh, letting the client dictate everything about how the day should run and where things should happen. Like you can be you can be consulting on what you think will work and what you think won't. And as uh, the professional that's been brought in to do that, and even if it's this this is your first gig as a photographer, you're still the professional. So mm. you you're going to know a little bit about what will work more about what will work and what won't than than the client will. So often the client is seeing things through their the filter of I've shot this on my iPhone and it looks really good mm-hmm. or you know I've seen this done in other places and this is similar so why can't you do that? So some of the issues that I've seen is that where the client will want these amazing shots but they've decided to hold their event at midday outside under you know bright sun and then you it, it makes it hard for you as a photographer to get decent shots because you're having to use flash that has to work so hard to override the the sunlight because you're getting all the shadows or it might be that they've given you a very limited space to work in and this is something that I've workshopped a lot with uh, some of the gold members is that like they've been asked to do group shots, but the client has suggested that, okay, we want to use this particular space and we've got, you know, 20 people that we want to cram into that space and there isn't um, enough room for to get the people away from the back wall. The ceilings are very low and there isn't space to use the right lens. So, don't be afraid to make other suggestions so that the shot works for you. So like I've seen where, you know, even a bride and groom are getting married and maybe one of their friends uh, had a shot at the front of the church after the ceremony where they had all 200 guests in front of the church and it, it was a great shot. Now, mm-hmm. the friend might have had that shot done in front of a country church where there was like, you know, uh, a gentle slope where you could arrange everyone so that the people at the back were slightly higher than the people at the front and the photographer had space to get back, also had a a ladder to get up on to to make sure they had, you know, uh, enough height to get everyone in the group, whereas the situation that the bride is asking to be photographed in might be that they're getting married at two o'clock and at that time when they all come outside, the, the half the church might be in shade and the other half might be in full sun yeah. and then all you have behind you is a busy freeway, <laughs> you <Great>. know. <laughs> yeah. And this happens all the time. So you b- before you're agreeing to stuff, like think about, well, where is it located? Where is the sun going to be? And then there are opportunities to make better suggestions so like well maybe not the front of the church but how about we go around to the back of the the hall or the church wherever they're getting married there is space for everyone to get back there is this gentle slope where you can arrange all the all the guests and it's in full shade which is going to make your life easier so look for look for option b and don't be afraid to suggest uh better places you know and i've seen this 
even with corporate events where often, um, you know, the, the uh, client walls where they have all the, the sponsor logos against the wall and then people stand in front, pose in front of those and get oh, yes. their photo taken. So I think one of the common mistakes that a lot of clients make is they'll get the, the wall made in high gloss, which looks beautiful mm-hmm. until you photograph it with a flash and then you get these big blobs yeah. of hard light from the flash. So, uh, you know... If if you have an opportunity to consult with the client before that happens, then you maybe suggest uh, and and make sure that the the brag wall, the the client wall, is made of a matte surface. It's a lot easier to photograph, and don't position it under downlights because that also is problematic because you get like little spots on people's faces and things like that. Yeah, yeah. The other thing that you want to do is ask lots of questions. And make sure that you get a detailed brief. So the worst kind of brief is just, oh, we love what you do. Mm-hmm. Just do your thing, mm-hmm. sweetie, darling. Mm-hmm. Which, is that what they say? <laughs> yes, darling, sweetie. Just go around and just do it. Just take lots of photos and be fabulous. Okay. Which you at, at first you think, oh, wow, I can just be myself. And, and But then they get the photos back and they go, well, did you get mm. Dave and Uncle Jimmy together? Did you get a shot of the, what about the, so you don't want to be in that position. So you want to make sure that even if it is little Jimmy's first birthday party, what, what sort of photos do you want? Like who's going to be here? Who are the key people? And maybe if someone can come around with me and uh, introduce me to the people so that I can make sure that I get everyone that you want to get. Cause you might not mm. know that auntie, Flo, who's 104, was in the front room the whole day and you didn't see her. Yeah, I think that so- the key question there to ask is of, you know, if you, out of or everyone today, who are the musts? So that at least you get the musts and yep. you need to ask, well, you need to point out the musts because otherwise a lot of photographers assume just to get everyone, you know, just kind of like social pages kinds of shots yeah. of everyone. And um, I've definitely been in the situation in the past where a photographer has shot literally everyone except for all except for all the musts <laughs> and yeah. it's just a waste of money yeah and i think it helps in that situation to ask for a almost to have a liaison person like someone who is there on the day that knows all the musts and can introduce you because it's pointless saying oh uncle dave he's in the blue jacket yes and there might be four other people. If you don't know everyone there, like at a celebrity event, a good PR agent um, or a corporate event, a good PR agent will will print out um, a cheat sheet which has sure. little headshots of everyone and you might be able to then ahead of time go go and research them so that you know who they are, what they do, so it's a lot easier to get their shots. But, you know, even little Jimmy's first birthday party, just to have someone going around with you, if you don't know the family personally, just to, to say, okay, here's Auntie Jan and Uncle Flo, come over, you know, and bring everyone into the group and get those shots. So that's a big help. Yeah. Um, and just on that, it's a re- it's so helpful because like it's so easy to forget like the one little shot which ends up being the most important shot of the day even though you've been told to do it you just get caught up in the moment and forget mm-hmm. it so write out a shot list and by write out write you know that thing that stick 
They've got ink inside them. Remember those? Huh? Pens. Oh. <laughs> it's like a stick and it's got ink inside it. Yeah, okay, got Remember it. Remember those? Yeah, and then pens. there's that very, very fine um, substance paper, <laughs> right? right? The Just the simple – there's a difference in writing with pen and paper as there is to uh, entering something into your phone even yeah. if it's on notes. Now, you can do both, but I think for, for me personally, I know that the act of writing out the list, physically writing it down – I almost don't need to look at it again because yeah. that act has just burned that into my um, my mind. So and then I've also got a backup of on the phone. But what I like to do is keep that list uh, in my camera bag or in my pocket. And as I go, I will check off the, the shots, the crucial photos that I've had gotten on the day. So that I think that above everything else is a game changer and a lifesaver to ensure that you get the shot. And on that list... If you're doing your first event shoot, you're going to be, trust me, you're going to be overwhelmed on the day because there is a lot of things to remember as well as like, is your camera doing the right thing? Mm -hmm. And the flash settings, are the shots in focus? A lot lot of moving parts. Um, To that list, then you can even add little um, triggers to help you remember to check the focus. check your ISO, check your shutter speed, check your f-stop because there's so many things that like if you, when it's your first few goes at doing this, you'll forget to do all these things. After you've done a few, it just comes as second nature. But for the first one, put all those down and just remind yourself to keep checking that and even put have a drink have <laughs> as you go because people just get dehydrated when oh, they're shooting because okay. they just forget to, to, to drink and eat. So, okay. so I think that that will really help within the preparation. So the next thing that you want to um, do as part of your preparation, and this could also be on the list and this can be a list that you just keep with you uh, forever, is to just make sure that you've got things like uh, the spare camera batteries and your spare cards and that everything is fully charged. Can't stress enough how important that is. There is nothing more stressful than getting to a job and being there and realizing that I'm going to run out of battery. They're about to cut the cake, you know, or I need to change cards just as something crucial is happening. So always make sure that you've got lots of cards. On the card front, I think it's much better to spread the load over several cards. I know you can get like 128 gig cards and you could easily have 20 uh, events on the one card. Mm. I don't think it's a good idea to put all your eggs in one basket. I no. would like, you know, yes, have the bigger cards because it's handy and I'm going to talk about later that gr- grabbing some video as you go as well as so to value add to the shoot. So you will need those bigger cards, but but don't have the entire event on one card. So maybe just uh, chop it up into I don't know, 16 gig or 32 gig cards and when it's half full, take it out put it uh, somewhere safe and ch- change to another card. Um, on that putting it somewhere safe, it's a good idea to have a designated case, something that clearly shows to you and anyone else that's going near your cards that these are the cards that need to be downloaded. Mm. And so what I, d- what I have and what I've had for many years now is a little red, it's like a, a little red uh, case 
that I keep my uh, shot cards in and it's printed on the outside is to be downloaded, do not use. And that's where I put my shot cards in and that will stop you from uh, accidentally um, deleting or formatting Getting a card. Getting them mixed that, up, yeah. Yeah, because in the heat of it, when there's so much going on, you go, oh, wait, is this the card I just used or is this a new card? How do I know? So that, that yeah. stopped just having that little system in place. So even if you have red for the cards that have been shot and need to be downloaded and a green case, go and stop Good the red, idea. go universal system. But it's so easy. But like, honestly, I think there, I don't think there's a photographer around today that hasn't accidentally formatted a card. <laughs> We've all done it. Oh, yeah. And this might help you. Stop. The other thing, and this can be on the list as well, is shoot more than you think you need. Don't be afraid to uh, overshoot. And that's particularly when you're doing group shots. And I see this a lot where a photographer, and it's uh, somewhat out of uh, not looking, uh, not wanting to look incompetent and also not wanting to bother people and keep them for any longer than they need, will shoot one frame when they're doing a group of two, three, four people. So they look like they're uh, professionals, but it's actually really detrimental because often when you're shooting three, five people in a group, someone might blink and then you don't have the shot. So it's just a good idea. Cover it, do five. And when you approach the person, the group say, I'm going to take three to five frames. Just stay with me and uh, we'll get this done. You can do it all with a smile. That helps. Put that on the list. Shoot more, you know, and cover everything. Uh, don't be afraid to do more than like a lot of people will get set in a certain focal length and just shoot everything wide or shoot everything long, but mix it up. So it mm. just shoot long shots, shoot wide, shoot tight. And that helps to tell the story and it gives a lot more variety to the images and also cover like a lot that is going on in the day. So you want to have, you want to make sure that you cover the empty room before anyone arrives. So it's all yes, decorated. Absolutely. And you've got everything there. That's and a, that's a Especially must. you've just entered the room, like if it's a hotel room or a function room. Yeah. Before it gets messed up with dirty plates, before stuff gets thrown all over the place, before bags get shoved in front of places. Absolutely. That's a so, big yeah, one. So get, Get there nice and early. Make sure that, you know, you ask what time the first guest is going to arrive and you want to be there about half an hour before that, a little bit earlier if you can, so that you can get those uh, group shots. And uh, that can you hear my that's cat? Tiger. That's Tiger. Tiger is going he, nuts. He, so that's Tiger, deaf. everyone. So he's 17. Wow. And he d- doesn't actually know how loud He's meowing. That's okay. But, we, and he we gets like a bit it. disorientated sometimes. He doesn't know Little where anyone darling. is. So he'll, Tiggy, he'll probably wander in, in a minute. He's a sweetheart. No, oh, he's adorable. Um, so where where were we? So on the list. Um... Oh, Tiggy's going for <laughs> it. He's so cute. Mm, okay. So yeah, make sure you, you get there and when the room is still tidy and shoot. Yeah, make sure that you've got uh, lots of batteries. Now, I do use rechargeable batteries for my speed lights, but I also make sure that I've got uh, a couple of sets of AA and AAA just in case. 
the the rechargeables. Who knows? You just want to cover yourself. So the rechargeable batteries that I use and I love because they hold their charge are called Any Loop, um, and they're they're fantastic. So uh, that's that's well worth considering. I'm going to pick him up. Just keep talking. Little darling. Okay, so I want to throw in something um, that I think is really, really important. And experienced event photographers already know this, but sometimes I've seen newbies do events and they don't think about this. But because you are, you know, taking lots of photos at an event, you're moving around a lot because you're trying to get, you know, people from different angles and you're trying to, you know, um, capture everyone in the room. Sometimes when the official speeches are being done, you are moving around, but you need to think about, well, normally people don't move around as much as you, except for waiters um, and waitresses. And they, and they're almost like invisible. People expect them to you know, be moving around the room. Um, but even when, but particularly when somebody's doing a speech or, or there's some kind of official part of the proceedings, you may want to move around the room and you kind of feel like you have the right to because you're the photographer. But a big tip when you are new is make sure a couple of things, this is particularly for the ladies, you're not wearing jangly jewelry so that you're not making all of this noise as you're moving around the room. And if you're used to wearing jangly jewelry and maybe you want your, you know, want to be a bit bohemian and you think that that's cool um, and artistic, you're actually uh, immune to the noise, but guess what? No one else is. So we, it's distracting when you should actually be watching whatever the official proceedings are going, whatever is going on with the official proceedings. The other thing is, don't wear really bright colors. Try and blend into the background. Either wear, you know, dress appropriately to suit the crowd, but probably wear, you know, neutral colors because you don't want to, because you're moving around so much, if you're in red or in orange or some kind of, or checks or whatever, um, if you're moving around, there's this flash of color moving out. And again, it's very distracting, whereas you need Mm. to be um, unobtrusive and, and, um and uh, invisible exactly and and a good photographer will be the photographer that the clients say i didn't even know you were there yeah i didn't see you i didn't see you take that shot so yeah you you, you're kind of just um able to move in and out and just on that val whenever i'm photographing uh speakers on stage i try and uh, find a position uh well before they get up there and I might test that. So when I'm doing those room shots, if it's one of those events where there will be speakers on the stage, mm. that's when I they're often a good time to get in there is uh, if it's a larger event, they're usually testing out the audio. So they're doing sound checks. That's a great time to check your lighting and check, find your best position to shoot from. Yep. And so once you find your position and, and on that, I think the best way to shoot those is with a, use a monopod just to steady your camera and a right longer idea. lens and no flash because the flash firing is Very really annoying to the speaker and really and because the speaker's in a zone, they've memorized what they have to say or they might be reading from an auto cue or yeah. from notes and if you've got a flash going off, even if it's, uh, kind of in the corner of your eye, it'll it'll throw the speaker it off does. the game, and that and that is most annoying. So mm. the other thing is uh, the mistake that a lot of 
uh, newer event photographers make is they don't have a long lens and they'll often use oh. a wide lens and then get in very close oh, to the stage so to fill the frame. And so often the speaker is high up and you're shooting with a wide lens from down low. And so what happens is it's just the, the, the lens distorts the speaker. So it's generally not very flattering. So uh, I think the best way to shoot those sorts of uh, speeches and, and uh, things like that is with a fast, like a f2.8, uh, 70 to 200 and uh, you know if you don't have one then you, you can hire one you can hire them for a day to do that sort of stuff and you'll get great images and you can hang back and you're not annoying everyone I've had an event photographer who did exactly that she did not have a long enough lens so she was right up the front you know trying to get all of the right angles and honestly everyone was just looking at her instead of the main person so she was under you on in front of the stage well I wasn't speaking yeah right, right. Yeah, it was somebody oh, right. else who was speaking. Yeah, uh, yeah, I was yeah. organising the event, and yeah, I mean, it was just so distracting because when people should have been concentrating on the very serious message that the, you know, the key person was talking about, she was there trying to get all the angles from right at the front, right at the, you know, literally right up the front. Yeah, and then you said about the jangly jewelry. Uh, mm. It's also the shoes. Uh, you can get like. Uh, if you want to wear high shoes, uh, higher shoes, and that's for males and females, everyone wants to look a little bit taller. You can get rubber sole yeah, shoes, rubber. and the two great things about the rubber sole shoes: you can stand in those all day, and you don't get tired because they just absorb the shock more, and they don't make a click, click, click sound when you're walking on them, so that you can just be really discreet and move around quietly in those. Yeah. Good advice. All right, so we'll get to some gear now, Val. Okay, gear for events. Okay. Yeah, so I recommend that when you're doing events, it's a good idea to have two camera bodies. uh, And that can be if you're a mirrorless shooter, then you can have two mirrorless bodies. Uh, If you're still DSLR, then, you know, or you could have one mirrorless and one DSLR. Uh, it doesn't matter, but like just so you've got the variety because often you don't have enough time to switch lenses between shots. So um, it just makes it a lot easier to grab the wide shot and then change cameras and grab the longer shot of, you know, the longer version of the same shot. So you can mix it up and shoot a lot faster and it means that you don't miss a shot. Uh, so on that, um, you can... it's helpful to have a couple of speed lights as well. So one on each camera. And sometimes what I like to do, Val, is I have one camera that's got a fast fixed lens. So it might be a 35 1.2 or sometimes I might have the 85 1.2. And that's, I shoot available light with that. So no flash. And then I might have another camera that's say got the 24 to 105 on it and that's my uh that's the camera that I use flash with so uh, I try and mix it up in in that regard as well uh, the other thing that I think is essential for this sort of stuff is to have a tripod or a monopod yeah. a tripod is slightly better because you can set it up and leave it and I think the other advantage of having a tripod is if you've got that second camera and you've got sort of um the 
the part of the event where sort of everything's happening when, when you've just got there and you've got all your main shots and it's just the, the sort of the middle bit where people are eating or dancing and things like that, you might want to set up a camera and do a little bit of value adding and shoot some some footage, like get some get some film, like right. 30 seconds here, 15 seconds here. You might not give it to the client that day, but but and you might be able to. But something, even if you're starting out, if you start getting this footage, then it might be something that when you've got some time, you can play with editing that footage. And uh, if you do have time, it might be something that you can give to the client as a bit of value adding and work that into your portfolio and work that into your sort of set of skills. That like, okay, so when they hire you, not only do they get the stills, but, you know, for uh, an extra fee, you'll also give them uh, video if they need it. Because I think this is a necessary skill for all photographers moving forward to be able to offer both stills and video. What do you think on that, Val? Oh, for sure. Definitely. Um, You know, if you've got an extra string to your bow, it certainly makes you more marketable. You don't necessarily have to become an Oscar-winning cinematographer. But uh, to have that value add, especially if you're doing client work and or any corporate work, uh, I think it's very useful. Yeah, so just grabbing like, and then they can use that little grab. So there might have been like one moment in the speech where something amazing was said, and we all know that like social media, uh, just the, the client will get a lot more views if they've got an animated. Uh, you know, a, a video rather than a still. So mm. you, you know, if you can provide them with it, like. Uh, a, a little grab uh, and something that I saw that was fantastic that um, another one of the Goldies, uh, Andrew Mack did mm. was, and he did this, uh, wasn't necessarily an event, but he did this uh, for one of his uh, hockey clients. Mm-hmm. He uh, set his camera up and he did a time lapse of the entire game and then he condensed it. Oh, that's clever. It, it was sensational and mm. uh that they loved it and i just thought that is such a good idea and you could do that for any event so just imagine if you had that spare camera set up in the corner like you i've seen it done by photographers where you get to the event before anyone's bumped in so it's the empty room and then you'll do a time lapse of the set being built the tables being brought in being dressed and then the 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 people coming in sitting down and then the event ending now if you condense that into a 10 second time lapse or a 20 second time lapse mm. and gave that to your client they'd be wrapped yeah yeah it's such a good idea and it's it you know relatively easy to do great good one all right so uh back to the gear uh, let me see, where were we? So we talked about the batteries. Um, the other thing uh, that, so you got your two bodies, longer lens. Uh, I really like in the, in shooting events, faster lenses are going to make your life so much easier, especially if you're shooting in low light conditions. So at night, evening, if you can use a faster lens, uh, some, uh, with an, an aperture that opens a lot wider that's going to make your life a lot easier. You won't have to shoot as high ISO. Uh, that, that that would be good. So that's a big help. A small LED light valve. That you oh, can get yes. I've been meaning to get this. Oh, right. That you, you can mount them on your camera. So mm. they've got a hot shoot now. I'll need to remember the name of it and I'll put the one, uh, starts with A, 
Um, okay. And it sits on top of your camera, but you can also use it. And it's the size of a credit card, but it's a really powerful LED light. You can use that to uh, add a little bit of light uh, if you're filming, but you can also use it if, uh, say, you're doing uh, little details of, say, food or a drink. You can backlight a drink. You can um, use it for all what sorts of things. What a good idea, comes backlighting in a really drink. handy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, backlighting drinks. Yeah, they look amazing. Yeah, and fantastic. suddenly they look super, super sexy. So uh, that's that's so you can get expensive ones. And you can also get like a five dollar, you know, uh, one that you buy at a you know a, a reject shop or something like that. But well, or you know, even low end, a torch, a small pen light torch will do the same thing. Just if you want to add a little highlight to anything, but try and get one that's an LED light that says daylight. Yeah. Okay. Uh, light. So a nice, clean, pure light that that helps. The other thing that, that it, the the other reason this is worth having in your kit is that if you're trying to uh, focus and it's a, a, a dimly lit room and your camera it keeps searching because it can't find a, a, a high contrast area, if you just whip your t- little torch out and just shine it on on the people. And then get a focus because yep. it's like higher contrast. That'll help there. So that comes in really handy. Well worth having in your kit. And also, the <laughs> while I'm on the torch, Val. Yes. Sometimes you'll be shooting an event, and uh, th- there might be a show that you're having to photograph. So that might be that the, it's the 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 grade six recital, and all the kids are up on stage dancing, and then you want to you're off to the sa- side of stage or in the in an aisle somewhere to doing the shot and then you need to change your card or you want to change your lens Mm -hmm. but it's pitch black where you are so you can't actually see anything (laughs) okay now you can't ask for the house lights to come on so you can pick up your little torch and just shine it around in your bag and you can find things because my camera bags are black black holes and you can never see where anything is so they come in handy for that so i used to have that when i was shooting uh tv stills so they come they come in very handy um As well as that, the other must-have when you're doing this sort of stuff is you want to be able to wander around, move around freely around the room, but you also don't want to be too far away from all your gear and all the essentials like your batteries, spare batteries, spare cards, and spare lenses if you want to change lenses. So I recommend that you get like either a little sling bag that goes over your shoulder or a little backpack, but whatever it is, it needs to be something that – uh, isn't too bulky. I don't like the idea of a backpack because no. I can just see you in the room as you turn around, you knock the waiter over mm-hmm. and all the mojitos go over onto the CEO and yep. you're not going to be very popular there. So no. I think I like the idea of the sling, sling bag, bag that sort of sits is a great to your idea. side and then you can actually just put your hand in really easily and um, grab what you need. Yep. So that's all very handy. I'm a big fan uh, of the sling bag. Always on the lookout for a good sling bag. I've got a low pro sling shot, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. No, <clears throat> that's a backpack, but it's a low pro sling bag. Mm-hmm. And I've had that for more than 10 years now and it's fantastic. Wow. Uh, just It's just big enough to carry like little things that I need and it's comfortable. It's got a nice thick strap. Uh, it works really well. Um Next level with that sort of gear is you can have additional speed lights 
and you might want to have an iPad or a, a laptop that you can uh, download your images to and as you're going on the night and uh, view them and also external hard drives to back up to. I've covered this extensively in a few episode, other episodes of the podcast. If you want to go back and check those out, then it, it might be worth it. But I think that's uh, next level stuff. On the speed light for next level, if you've got a, a room that's very dark, uh, simply mounting a speed light in the ceiling and it'll trigger off your speed light that's on your camera. You can backlight the room and you can get beautiful shots. So you can turn a black hole into something that sparkles very, very easily. Right. Okay, cool. Yeah, so Good pretty idea. easy to do. Yes. So, um, and then, and that's just a matter of putting the speed light in the roof using this, this something called a gorilla pod, which is a flexible little tripod. And you can actually tie your speed light to a speaker stand, uh, or like, a you know, a, a beam in the roof, or there's also little Manfrotto super clamps that you can attach your speed light to. A door to handle. And, or a door or something like that, just so it's up high and you mm. want your speed light down to like a minimum, very low setting. And it's just going to put a little dook of light across the heads of everyone. And it just like yep. gives a little hair light, separates everyone from the background. Mm. And then do- doesn't matter where you move around in the room, you're always going to have that light. That light will go off as soon as you trigger your uh, main flash to go off. So I think that's a, a great way to take your photography next level. It makes a, a big difference to how things look. Yeah. Um, on on the your settings, when you're shooting events, you want to have a higher ISO and a faster shutter speed. These are your friends to make sure that you're capturing the action yep. and uh, you've got like a, enough ambient light in the room so that you're not getting well, – because when you're shooting flash on camera and you've got a darker room, if you have a low ISO, a fast shutter speed and a high aperture, like a narrow aperture like mm. f 5.6 or higher, it means there's less light in the room. So what happens is you get the bright flash on the face so the people are beautifully lit, yeah. the room isn't. Yeah. It's a, like a black hole and you're not getting any of the beautiful lights in the background. If you increase mm. your ISO, yeah. which increases the sensitivity of the camera to light, yes. and that means that you're going to capture a lot of the ambient light in the room. So the beautiful lights in the room, a lot of the detail, and then you're using your flash just to pop a little dook of light dook. into the faces of the people. On Love that, it. you want to make sure that you have a color temperature orange quarter strength CTO gel on your flash. And what that does is it just adds a little bit of warmth to the light that's right. that's uh, lighting the people and it makes them nice and warm and so so that it doesn't look all that obvious that you're lighting the shots because when you use flash without a, a, a gel it's very neutral and it's harsh yeah. but when you warm the, the light up a little bit it looks uh, a, a lot better and it, it, it's uh do you want to just repeat, repeat the thing about the orange just so in case? It's a quarter strength mm-hmm. colour temperature orange. So quarter strength CTO gel. And there's companies like Roscoe, I think, and Lee Filters. Mm-hmm. And you can get little gels and they're the size of the uh, the the um, flash Fresnel part of your flash. So tiny, like a credit card like size. Like a credit card, yeah. And, the, yeah. and you just stick them onto the front of your flash and, and buy one. Put it on your flash, 
and never take it off. That's what I do with mine. And so everything uh, that I shoot has got a quarter strength uh, CTO gel and it just takes that edge off because flash is uh, color neutral. So it's it's a neutral color and this just takes the edge off. So if you're an event photographer, get this for your flash and we'll put the link in the show notes. You can just buy them online and, you know, just store them with your credit cards if you like or, as Gina does, just never take it off your flash. That's it. And they're super – hang on – are you? They're super cheap, Val. Yeah, sorry. I'm just trying to wrangle the cat. Oh, it's <laughs> So many distractions. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, you can shoot event. If you've got a daytime event and it's your very, very first event and you're a bit nervous and overwhelmed by the idea of just shooting, shooting with flash, then go natural light. There's nothing wrong with that starting out and just doing natural light if you feel like flash is just going to tip you over the edge. And it's a great idea to learn how to shoot with natural light first before you add flash. So if you want to do that, then try and get some faster lenses where you can open up your aperture nice and wide, let lots of light in, have a very shallow depth of field, Mm -hmm. and then you can shoot it as more of a candid uh, kind of an event a more documentary style where you're documenting the event rather than something that's set up. So that's a matter of we've done a lot of episodes on um, shooting this documentary style, but it's a matter of photographing what you see. So, you know, waiting and watching and, and capturing people in in, uh, in a more candid style. They, they might be talking and uh, grabbing all those shots and then looking for interesting backdrops or stages and and waiting for something to happen there. So you might have a really interesting doorway and wait for someone to walk through it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like use that as a stage. So that's a good idea. I like that. And um, don't be afraid to leave uh, mess in the background, like, you know, uh, things that could be memories down the track. I think we clean up our shots too much, especially when it's a, a home family gathering. It's those things that are lying around in the bed, you know, Uncle Tom's like what? pipe, uh, you know, the pipe in the background or the table gets cleared of all, all the, the guff, but it might have been that, you know, Auntie May's um, – gloves or hat or or things like that that might have been in the background that got removed it would be a great memory do you get what i mean so little it's things like sometimes the, it's the little so... insets that that uh add that reflect a personal element so it's not necessarily a uh, a dirty plate or whatever but no. it is um it, it's something that actually ref- – it, it, it could be a child's fingers on a dirty plate though, you know, without necessarily the child even in it. Yeah, but yeah, and you can grab those little details as well and they're, they're sort of things that help tell the story. So yeah. uh, other things you can do uh, if you're shooting this candidly, uh, we did this a couple of – a few episodes ago we talked about uh, documentary photography and the pre-focusing uh, technique. So if you're not sure about that, go back and check out the episode on documentary style photography and uh, have a go at that pre-focusing. Makes life a lot easier. Also, if you're shooting for daylight, then try exposing for the highlights. Uh, get that right and then you'll get sort of a, a more moodier shot. You can always uh, get more detail in the shadows in post-production. Uh, 
set up a few shots, even if you've been told to shoot the whole thing candid, because I think this is really important because there's always going to be people who want those setup shots, even though they didn't ask for them and they'll appreciate them down the track. So just don't be afraid to set people up, even though they've asked for the whole thing done in a candid style. And also don't ever be afraid to move people around to better spots or yeah, better light. Absolutely. Because a lot of newbie photographers are afraid, like they'll ask someone to take their portrait and then you'll think, oh God, there's the ba- the background is ugly and the light is ugly here, but I don't want to bother them anymore. Bother them. Don't yeah. worry. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And tell them why. You know, yeah. You know what? The light here is um not fantastic and the background is like just really clashes with what you're wearing. The light over there is oh my god, I'm going to show you when I take the shot, but you are gonna love yourself sick. That is exactly what I have <laughs> you're said. You're gonna love hands. yourself fully sick. You will love yourself sick. Princess of England, whoever you are, you'll love yourself fully sick. Eh, that's so funny. Um, (laughs) But we'll move anyway. (laughs) Funny girl. (laughs) And then I show them, they go, "Eh, yes, you were right. Um, So (laughs) don't be afraid to do that. And then while you have the people, don't be afraid to um, tell them what you're doing, engage them, and then stop and check the camera and make sure that it's sharp and make sure that you got the shot where they're not blinking. And this is what all professional photographers do. And it's better to stop and take that 10 seconds to check the shot and ask them to wait than the humiliation of having to tell them the next day that you didn't get the shot. So true. So true. I 100% agree. Uh, All right. So um, how are we going for time, Val? I think we're almost at the end of this week's episode. Okay, so we'll have to do um, uh, more another time, I think. We can so, have a, yeah, yeah so part think, two. Because yeah. there is actually <laughs> quite a lot that goes into event photography if it's done well. Because I've also seen, um, you know, photographers not do it well and they, they kind of do this approach of I'm just going to shoot the crap out of this and they get heaps and heaps and heaps and heaps of files or, or photos, and then they spend an inordinate amount of time editing. So they end up um, basically trying to fix things in post, whereas yeah. it would be a lot more efficient and better and also um, you know better skill, um, enhancement of their skill, if they try to get it right the first time rather than, oh, you know, if I shoot 3,000 images, at least 30 of them are going to be okay. And that's just leaving it up to chance. So it's a lot better to actually try and get it right the first time um, rather than just, you know, doing it the other way. And make it work for you. And that comes down to the planning and then how you approach uh, everyone like asking people to move to the good light, opening up a group. So a group will maybe con- if you've got a group of five people, they'll cluster in a group. However, yes. they feel is right, 
and a new photographer will just take that shot. Mm. But someone who's more experienced will look at that and they'll go, that looks terrible, guys. Or you don't have to say it like that, but you go, mm-hmm. hey, let me just open the group up. Like, you know, if you're doing a table shot, mm. don't do the table so that you've got the back of heads. Ask mm. the people at the back of the table to move around, get up. Yep. Some of them roll their eyes, honestly, when you say this. Mm. And you go, you're going to love this shot. You're going to love yourself fully sick when you see this. So don't roll your eyes. And then you'll get a better shot, but make it work for you. Don't be afraid to ask. And just finally, I think the most important advice I can give today is whenever you're asked to be an event photographer, you as the photographer are on show from the moment you step into that room or into that location. And believe it or not, people are watching and noticing everything you do. So this Mm. is a great opportunity for you to advertise yourself as a photographer. And I don't mean by handing out cards. Don't be that photographer. You do not need to say a word, but if you are seen being um, smiling and happy and loving your work and going that extra mile, like fixing someone's jacket, taking it, tucking someone's hair back so that they look better. People are watching you and they're seeing, and they're seeing how you relate and engage with everyone. And they're thinking, wow, I want that. photo." And they don't even look at your photos. They don't care. Don't tuck someone's hair without their permission. (laughs) No, you always ask. Yeah, and uh, yeah. <laughs> or if the, you're a guy, the, you might suggest to the lady that she might tuck her own hair. So the trick with that is to, um, if you notice something that is uh, out of place, if the person, you ask the person to fix it for themselves mm. first, or you might ask them, like I often ask um, people to button up their jackets mm-hmm. uh, just if they look tidier or pull their jackets down or just smooth over their hair but you would never just randomly walk up to someone and, t- you know, don't, just don't touch anyone is probably, keep your hands by your side yeah. is probably the best advice. But on that, that, that being your, the, your best self out there uh, is probably the best way that you can advertise your skills as a photographer. It's a great opportunity to get other work. And remember, don't forget all the, the caterers and the flower people and everyone that is also involved in the event. Give everyone copies of the photos and you'll, you'll be amazed at how far that sort of generosity will, will get you as a photographer as well. Mm. All right. Well, that's awesome, Gina. I think there's lots of tips that we can get from that from this episode. So fantastic. Well, what are you doing in the coming week before we chat again? Well, it's Christmas, Val. So um, oh, yeah. I'm hosting here. So yeah, and uh, so I'll be uh, getting the possums out of the roof. Yeah. Uh, I'll be running around. I'll be probably rocking in the corner at some point, uh, but but excited about that. So which yeah, means our that. next episode is probably going to be our final episode for 2018, mm. and mm. I think maybe some alcohol could be involved. Perhaps <laughs> we'll yes. see how we go. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. All right, fantastic. Because yes, it's been a big year on oh so many levels. Yes. (laughs) All right. So where do we find you online, Gina? 
So the best place to find me is at GinaMilitia.com. So that's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. And so there, if you want, you can sign up to my newsletter. It comes out fortnightly if you want a little bit of a dose of uh, motivation or inspiration. And uh, and plus I share the work of other photographers who inspire me. And uh, I, sh- I also share Lightroom presets there. I'm on social media, all social media as at Gina Militia and also come say hi uh, and join for free the uh, So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community Facebook group. So there's uh, lots of talented and they're hilarious in there, aren't they, Val? Yes. Photographers from all over the world there. And if you want to work with me um, and take your photography to the next level and hone your lighting and posing editing skills, then uh, join the goal community. So I love teaching and I love seeing where my students, uh, watching them grow and evolve. So just go to the website, ginamilitia.com and click on join the community. What about you, Val? You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram. And, of course, you can connect with both of us in, as Gina mentioned, the Facebook group. Just search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community on Facebook and request to join. It's free and we'd love to have you in there. Thanks for listening, everyone, and uh, we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.